All right, we are live, episode eight. Yes. Yes, I'm Dr. Robert Fredrickson. Today we have a very special guest. We have Dr. Kyle Mears of the Hashimoto Reset. So yes. Dr. Kyle, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited to uh, learn from you and learn about your journey on how you transitioned you know, from a traditional chiropractic clinic into a functional medicine niche market. Yeah. So thank you so much yeah. for coming on today. Yeah, I'm excited, man. It's going to be good to talk about, and we got a lot of a lot of things to cover in a little time, and we'll get rocking and rolling. Awesome, man. Hey, well, yeah. Tell me about your journey. How did you, you know, how did you, you know, go to the Hashimoto's? Why did you focus on Hashimoto's in particular? Was there a certain um, family connection there, or did you just really see like a a need you could fix with um, with the Hashimoto's thyroiditis? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no worries. Um, yeah, I'd say probably just over the last you know decade, just being in a brick and mortar practice and in going and working with a lot of different clients, and you just see trends, right? So you just kind of see trends and things. And so obviously, in in our practice, when brick and mortar, we did you know we had we had chiro, we had pain management, we had some acupuncture, we had massage, we had you know functional nutrition. So we did a little bit of everything. And so, you know, of course we took care of a lot of, you know, pain symptoms and things like that. But, you know, when it came to the nutrition side of things, it was pretty similar across the board where we just got a lot of people coming in with just general thyroid concerns. Right. And, and so, you know, we just kind of looked at that. And in the last few years, um, you know, we started looking in more and more of those trends and just looking back, you know, past it, like all of our calls and all of our consults. And yeah, it was just sure enough, you know, 75, 80% of the people coming in was just that. And, and the reason we kind of get now got into Hashimoto's is that really, if you just look at the research, you know, um, a great article of Journal of Endocrinology looked at 90%, um, almost 90% of hypothyroidism has a Hashimoto connection, meaning they have oh, some okay. level of antibody counts, yet they're never checked. And I think that's kind of the problem with, you know, the traditional Western medicine, which, you know, is great in terms of helping to get things managed in the, in the initial sense. But when it comes to, you know, finding underlying causes and really getting down to the, you know, the, the, the under, under the hood, right. Sure. Um, that's where it starts to become more of an issue. And so that's where, you know, we started looking into, okay, so what can we focus on And Hashimoto is just like, it's just, it's such a big one. So we still do general thyroid as well. Um, but you know, most people were doing, you know, combined protocols for each, if that makes sense. Right. And that, that's an interesting topic because my wife has Hashimoto's and you yeah. know, it was one of those things like no doctors well i'm not gonna say no doctors but a lot of doctors in conventional medicine aren't checking these uh tpo antibodies reverse yeah. t3 they're not a traditional lab that you typically get right so yeah no and that's the crazy part so if you look at you know we 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 do challenges every month and we kind of kind of take through clients through and, and just general public through kind of some of the some of the different things we look for and then just some of the pitfalls of just modern medicine in general and yeah it's pretty standard it's like um, it goes from you've got to have some kind of overt symptoms and overt can mean really anything, but essentially for most people that it all starts off pretty benign in a sense, right? You get that loss of fatigue, you know, you get a little bit of weight gain, you know, you, you start getting the brain fog, you, you know, maybe your digestive system starts just malfunctioning a bit. And that's just not enough, you know, for us, you know, being in the functional world, we're going hey, that's a problem, right? So, you know, you really shouldn't really feel any of that, right? I mean, if, you know, obviously, if you have just a long day at the office, or, you, you know, you're stressed out with the kids or something like that is right, one thing. Right. But when you start seeing these trends over, you know, month, two, three months, um, yeah, we start to say, hey, there's some, there's some, some things, some red lights going off. But the problem with medicine is that 
you know, overt symptoms means like you've got to have multiple symptoms. They got to be pretty severe before they even want to run just a basic test, like a TSH test. And kind of the reason we started figuring that out is like when you're talking to clients, most of them are going, man, I had a fight to get that test. I mean, I had a fight with my doctor just for them to check my thyroid out. Right. Wow. And so that's the first battle. And then from there, it's like, that's pretty much like you said, the only test they do. And so if it's high, Hey, you get your hormone replacements, you try to get it down. And then it's like recheck every year at your annual physical and that's it. And then the other thing is just managing those other symptoms with other meds, right? So, you know, we both know, you know, just taking the medication, it's, it's, it's not a lack of medication while you have a thyroid problem, right? Sure, it's, exactly. it's one of the, it's not a lack of medication while you know, you have pain or lack of aspirin or lack of migraine medication while you have migraines. I know. Yep. So, yeah. So, so that's the problem is that, is that if that cause isn't figured out or you start, don't start working on the other things, more symptoms will start to come because, you know, thyroid is so important to literally every body system. You need hormone for almost everything to function. And so when those symptoms come, then it's just a matter of now managing those symptoms with other meds. And that's kind of that failure where it's like they don't identify, you know, the, the underlying potential autoimmunity. And they're definitely not looking at those underlying causes. And that's what leads people down the road of just more and more meds and problems. Right. And would you say a lot of people who are having maybe hypothyroidism might have Hashimoto's? They just haven't been checked yet. And maybe they're having, you know, an increased yeah, level of so, antibodies. So. Yeah. And that's very common. So most people, especially in medicine, I don't think it's, I, I don't believe it's the standard of care to check antibodies um, because most of the people coming in, you know, for my clients are coming in and they've never had them checked. One of the first things we check is TPO antibodies, which have about a 95% sensitivity for a Hashimoto's diagnosis. So basically they did some great research and showed that, you know, TPO, you know, if you had one test to run for Hashimoto's, that'd be a great one. Um, and also TG antibodies, thyroglobulin antibodies, they don't have as high of a sensitivity with the, with the diagnosis, meaning if someone was with diagnosed with Hashimoto's, um, only about 60, 80% of people had TG antibodies versus like 95% had TPO antibodies. Got it. Yeah. We'll kind of maybe cover that too, what that means, but, but yeah, they don't check that. And it's so important to know because, you know, if your thyroid is being tagged and that's essentially what an antibody is, is that your immune system is somewhat went rogue and is now tagged your thyroid as foreign, right? Mm-hmm. And, and essentially now, anytime you activate the immune system or do something to, to raise up your immune system, it'll start attacking your thyroid. And that's what causes the destruction. And that's what leads to the problem. So yeah, just managing and just looking at just simple things like TSH are good for like a baseline. But in terms of the full picture, yeah, reverse T3, you know, total T3, total T4, because you want to see at every point of the process how it's working. It's very important. Right. So can you just talk just briefly for anyone listening, like maybe they're not familiar with Hashimoto's, but it seems like it's on the rise. Maybe it's more testing, right? Like with some other yeah. things we test, we're testing more. So we think it's more prevalent. Yeah. But, um, was it, I think it was Dr. Hashimoto who's a research scientist. <laughs> and I think he was actually looking at it was the like in the 1800s or so. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah, he's kind of first discovered the antibodies. Yeah. I think, you know, probably some more testing. Um, I, I think just people become more aware that it's a problem. And again, just goes back to the research too, is that they're just showing such a, such a high correlation with those with hypothyroidism that have Hashimoto's. I um, mean, I think more and more people, and, and I know when we do, you know, challenges and we're, you know, we're, we're, we'll get, you know, a few hundred people, 
kind of listening to us and, and going through this are like, oh yeah, you know what? I heard that somewhere else that, you know, I need to get my antibodies checked. And, but yeah, just in general, like thyroid problems in, in hypothyroidism, and we're talking like, like 30 million people just in the US, like with some level of like a thyroid issue. So, I mean, it's a very big problem. And in fact, you know, with Hashimoto specifically, it's definitely one of the number one autoimmune diseases out there, you know, in terms of overall, you know, obviously things like RA um, and some gut autoimmune diseases are very common, but you know, Hashimoto's really does rank up there as is one of the top ones. Wow. Um, and it's just getting more and more. Yeah. And globally it's changing as well. And again, lots of reasons why, I mean, and that's the problem is that there's a lot of underlying factors. There's about eight researched areas that, that lead to thyroid dysfunction. So I think it's just, you know, this combination of the perfect storm, right? And you're just getting so much more exposure, whether it's chemicals or gosh, stress can be a huge thing and dietary. I mean, a lot of stuff has changed over the last, you know, 50 years in terms of just our food and chemicals and everything, right? right? So it's a lot, it's a lot of stuff. Yep. And is it mainly women in your practice that have Hashimoto's yep. or do you see yeah, women mostly too with women, it? Um, some men, but um, it definitely possible, but yeah, mostly women in I, there's not really a reason why. I don't know if there's really much research to show. I mean, they have kind of linked a few things to just general um, hormone imbalances, obviously, because for females, they tend to go through more changes than, than men do. We, you know, we have a big shift in our teens, uh, but for females, especially if you, you know, getting pregnant, going to menopause, mm -hmm. shifting cycles, I mean, it can definitely, you know, play a little bit more role with that. So again, not a perfect science in that. And the research isn't completely clear, but yeah, women definitely have more of a problem with it. Yeah. And it's women age 30 to 50, or do you find them younger now or? Yeah. So it's like, it's trending down for sure. I mean, so we'll get clients now. I mean, majority, I would say majority of my clients are in their fifties and sixties and things like that. But, okay. you know, of course I have plenty of consultations in their thirties and forties. And, you know, just kind of speak to that too, because it's, it's, it's tough, you know, to go through a lot of these holistic changes. And unfortunately in the holistic world, you and I both know, you know, a lot of times these things aren't covered by insurance, you know, and that stinks and it's drives me nuts. You know, it's like, I, we, even if we all send our case studies of our best clients to the insurance companies, they still probably won't cover it. Right. It's just right. because of the nature of the beast. Um, and two, it's like those early symptoms, you know, it's hard sometimes to justify wanting to go through a lot of stuff to get there, but you ask anybody in their 50s and 60s that have had some major problems with their thyroid, they're going, God, I wish I would have started in my 30s and 40s. And, you know, and that's the problem, you know, a lot of Hashimoto diagnosis hypothyroidism takes on average about seven years to even get a diagnosis in the first place. And again, that goes back to that idea of symptoms are, you know, a pretty bad judge of body health. You know, obviously they are the last thing to come and and unfortunately, they can, you can degenerate for many years and then all of a sudden have things pop up. So you just got to be real careful. But man, the earlier you can get on top of this stuff and start managing it, obviously the better. But it's, it is hard to, you know, go, man, I'm not doing too bad, you know? So it's like, do I really want to make all those food changes and lifestyle changes? It's right. Tough. Yeah, I, I totally get it. It's hard. Right. It's very tough. And a lot of people don't realize that lifestyle is such a big part mm, yeah. in any autoimmune disorder. But can you talk, I mean, you don't have to give away all your secrets, but maybe like yeah. just give some of your lifestyle tips that you do yeah. with your clients, maybe on what uh, you call it a two day immersion or what do you call your? So yeah, so we do. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of an immersion experience. It's like a challenge we do. We run these every month. Um, and that kind of leads into kind of the first thing we do with the client is doing a, what we call a thyroid remission consultation, where we'll spend about 60 minutes kind of identifying all the triggers and causes and history and background of 
of all the things that could have led up to this, this thyroid, you know, concern and problem. And one of the biggest things is then just kind of setting down goals. If I could say anything to, you know, folks listening today is that, you know, make sure you let your doctors know your goals. You know, it's probably one of the most important things because a lot of, you know, unfortunately what we, we do is we kind of say, you know, you say I do, you know, or I say you do when a lot of times it's, it's not necessarily what, what I, what I want, it's what you want. Right. And so we want to make sure we're attacking, you know, those specific goals. And so that's number one is just making sure, you know, you're finding a, a team that's, you know, really getting, you know, taken care of and making sure they're, they're helping you and supporting you through the process. Um, support is probably the biggest thing again, too, is just having somebody to keep you accountable. So a lot of what we do with, you know, clients, we have like private groups, we, we work with them. So once we kind of get from that immersive experience into a consult, we take them into what we call thyroid elite, which is kind of our elite program. Um, and a lot of it is, like I said, support where it's like, we're every week we're working on getting 1%, 2% better. It's not about bandaid overnight fixes because if there was a thyroid protocol or a supplement that would fix you, obviously we would all be great. Right. But there right. isn't, but they do definitely support, right? Um, I call a lot of it, call it gap supplementation, right? Trying to get you from that hell to heaven that the supplements can help us narrow that gap, right? And proper, right? And that's the key is like using the testing. But yeah, the two of the best places to start for most clients, diet and lifestyle. So um, one of the most overlooked areas is blood sugar. Um, 100% most overlooked area for problems we see, managing blood sugar. Blood sugar spikes and valleys can really flare up the immune system. And again, going back to what we talked about getting TPO antibodies or antibody checks, every time you flare up the immune system, and your thyroid is tagged with antibodies, it can damage your thyroid. And so when you damage your thyroid, that uh, the autoimmune problem, that can damage your what we call thyroid follicles. And that's what helps you basically produce and store T3 and T4 hormones. So the more damage you get, again, over time, that's what's going to lead to to a point where hypothyroidism kicks in, your TSH goes up, and now you're going down the line of meds. And, and so the problem is, is the more destruction you have, the more it's going to lead to a point where your thyroid just can't function anymore and you're going to have to be in meds because you need the hormone i mean you need it for everything so right. yeah number one blood sugar yeah so if you can start tracking and so we do something simple with clients is that we just focus on tracking how much blood sugar or how many sugars we get in a day so we kind of go through hey you know fruits um, sugars that, you know, get converted and there's things that get converted into sugar, right? We go through all the sugar substitutes. I mean, everything. And we look at how we can start trending that down. And that is a, again, powerful strategy. And we're not talking necessarily like complex things like um, ketogenic or, you know, low carbohydrate, because that can be, again, that's something you got to be careful with, um, especially with Hashimoto's because For sure. unless, unless any, again, anytime you have that spike up and down, throws you into a flare and that can damage your thyroid. So blood sugar, I would say number one, that'd be nice. a big one. That's, yeah, that's interesting because blood sugar, I think so many people now more than ever <clears throat> are having a true blood sugar issues. And um, yeah. a bunch of studies have actually come out with COVID saying, hey, if you have a high blood sugar and you get COVID, yeah. your outcomes are not good. Yes. And yes. you know, a lot of people was like, well, I go to the doctor and they say I'm not diabetic. You're like, see, that's the thing. If you have a yeah. fasting blood sugar of 120, 130, yeah, you're not in a good spot. No. And so, or if you're having no. to, cr if you crave snacks every two hours, or if you need to take a nap after lunch, or you need coffee in the afternoon, you know, we like, hey, mm -hmm. look, these are all symptoms of poor blood sugar control. Exactly. Yeah, we always tell one of the easiest ways to tell you, you know, when you eat in a meal, and you know this, when you eat a meal, 
you should have no change. There should be no change after that meal. It's just you, you fuel your body and you move on with your day. If you're getting an increase in energy after a meal or a radical decrease in energy, that's a sign of hyper or hypoglycemia. And people right. are like shocked by that. And that's the thing about sugar is like, it's, it's kind of one of those things, like we all know it's bad in a sense. Like, I mean, it's not, you know, shocking to know like high fructose corn syrup, but it's, it's what you just said, those ins and outs. It's when you look at the fasting blood sugar, you got those extra numbers, the insulin numbers, right? The hemoglobin A1C, which is kind of the lie detector test of what's really been happening. And, right. and there's all kinds of different cool little things you can look at, but yeah, it's not just like, oh, I shouldn't drink soda. Well, of course we know that, but there's a lot of X factors in there that you really have to watch out for. That's a great point. Right. Do you ever have, um, I know it's kind of a new technology, but the uh, continuous glucose monitors, do you have any clients? Yeah. Yeah. So that? it's great. Yeah. It's a great thing to use, um, especially to track. Um, one of the things, um, that we really like to look at is one hour after meals um, because that's that spike uh, postprandial. So they'll actually test that um, in labs, like LabCorp, but you do it with a glucose monitor. So what'll happen is people will go, actually, I've been doing pretty good, doc. You know, it's like, I feel like I'm great, but then it's like, I, I still feel bad like a couple hours after a meal and we'll go, okay. So typically if you eat a meal, obviously, and you, you know, test your blood sugar with one of the glucose monitors, yeah, it may, it may go up 105, 1010, pretty standard. You know, it'll start kind of getting in that range. Obviously, if you don't have huge spikes, that's an all right thing. But then what happens, we'll say, hey, test it like an hour later. And what'll happen is we'll have some clients that no joke, they'll be like perfect right after a meal no problem. But then like an hour later, the glucose is in like the 200s. And so they're getting that delayed spike, right? Which again is throwing up an immune system problem, a flare, they're getting damaged. And now it's like trending in the wrong direction. So again, that goes back to, it's like, it's, it look, it, this stuff, it, it sounds complicated at times. It's just a matter of just kind of working with your body and just realizing there's a lot of tools that you could put in your tool belt to get these things under control. But um, it's, 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 it can get overwhelming at times. But yeah, those glucose monitors are awesome because you can yeah. really look at a day and track and you can monitor it. Oh man, it's awesome. Great thing to use. Yes. And um, yeah, I think it's interesting because, you know, me and you, maybe we don't have any true autoimmune issues. Yeah. So we, we can eat something and have a blood sugar spike and it doesn't affect us. But if you have someone who's got Hashimoto's, yeah. that yeah. little bit of inflammation is going to oh, be yeah. a lot more um, intense. It's going to oh, yeah. have detrimental yeah. effects to those type of individuals. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And that's the tough part. You know, it's like, you know, for, for us, it's, you know, and we do, we work on this stuff though, too. You know, it's like the last 10 years. I mean, prior to that, I mean, I was, I was pretty dreadful with my, with my diet and nutrition, but you know, last 10, you know, maybe 10, 15 years, you know, I've been pretty solid and, but we still, you know, I, I still notice things in my body too. You know, I notice my digestive system gets a little out of balance if I eat this or maybe have a little too much of that. And so it, again, it's, it, we're all in different places. And that's, that's another thing, you know, I'll say about Hashimoto and thyroid too, is that you know, you got to be realistic about where you're at as well, you know, so one of the things that we'll tell clients is that, hey, we're not miracle workers, um, you know, you know, even though it's like in our doctor network too, you know, probably thousands of testimonials, it doesn't mean it's going to happen for you, right? It doesn't mean, you know, you're going to get the change. We can only work that research and we can only go, hey, here's where we're at. Let's try this. Let's do that for the next few weeks. And if it's better, great. Let's continue to do that and keep working on other things. We may hit a roadblock and go, man, that was dreadful. That did not work, but then we can shift. I think far too many people get sold that bag of goods and it's, it's all over the web, right? Where it's like, oh, dude, take this, this protocol and just do this process and this is going to change it. And you know that, right? It's like, you know, it's like you may try a supplement. Well, number one, maybe you didn't have enough of it. Maybe you didn't get into a therapeutic dose. 
Sure. Maybe there was something you reacted to in there. With Hashimoto's, you tend to have a lot of different reactions. I know you, you know, for some of the companies you work with, very clean. Um, there's a lot of products out there that aren't. They have a lot of cross-contamination right. with like gluten and things like that. And people are like, wow, that's weird. I took this pill and it's like, I, I feel like I should have got a change, but it made me worse. And then we go look at it. It's like, oh, wow. It's just lots of X factors. So again, just knowing that it's going to be up and down. And I think that's a lot of, hope for some people that even though it may have not worked for you before, it doesn't mean it's the end of the world, right? There's, there's plenty of things to do. We just got to find out what untangle that web, essentially what, what, you know, what all the different things are. Right. And it's complicated. I'm sure, I'm oh, sure, yeah. I'm sure you're working with clients for a long time. Sometimes you figure it out right away. Sometimes, Hey, Oh, we, we need to eliminate this part of the, you know, this, this food yeah, from, from your yeah. diadem. Let, let's talk about, I know, I know our time's limited today, so I want to do some kind right. of some rapid fire questions with you. So we talked about lab markers. Do you work with doctors? I mean, do you, is every patient that you work with on a medication or, or not on? What's the, what's the mindset? Oh there? yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So the, the, the deal is the problem is that the very first thing and a lot of this stuff, you know, I, I, I my, one of my mentors, Dr. Uh, Karazian in the Karazian Institute, and he does a lot of work with Hashimoto's. And, and so I, I surround my, Myself with a lot of people smarter than I am. So it's like, let's work their research because they've done it before. Don't reinvent the will. But the one thing that he says that is the first thing with anybody Hashimoto's, you do, you can't be in a severe hypothyroid state and you can't be in a very severe fluctuating state or in like a, God forbid, a grave situation. And what I mean by that is you're, you're switching between like hypo symptoms, like you're fatigued, you know, you can't get out of bed, your, your mental capacity is very worn to or, you know, cold intolerance is another big one too. God, I'm getting hot. I'm sweating uncontrollably. I'm hyperactive. I can't get to bed. I'm anxious. I'm nervous. When you have these big swings, that's the time where you do have to look at um, management. And look, I am a anti-drug person to the core. You know, if someone told me I could fix my problem by standing in my head in the corner, I would do it before I would want to take a medication. But when it comes to, you know, thyroid hormone, you do, if you're severely hypothyroid, you're going to need it to get balanced first, then what'll happen is then we start working on those holistic strategies. And then what we'll find is over time, doctors can then start to reduce medication, but you do have to find the right doc because a lot of docs get very attached to their particular protocol and won't try different things. And that's the thing, just finding the right people. So yeah, we right. definitely do. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so let's do kind of a rapid fire okay, yeah. part of this. So let's talk about gluten and thyroid or Hashimoto's. What are your thoughts? Can some people on hashies tolerate gluten or is everyone to avoid gluten? Completely? Typically managed just gluten is a pretty problematic for most people. Yep. Um, I don't see too many people getting back on it. Yeah, it's a very tough one. Yep. Yeah. And how many people are eating gluten that are having flare-ups they don't realize? Um, so a lot of gluten uh, sensitivity. Um, really the two factors are um, gluten sensitivity. You, it's tough because you'll get a little bit of delayed reaction. So it's hard. To, so if you're gluten sensitive, a lot of times you may not necessarily note it or you'll get a delayed reaction like a day later where it's like now like I'm foggy. I've got gut problems, you know, things like that. Now, if you're a Hashimoto and you have celiac, changing gluten could change your life completely. So I'll get two cases with the celiac cases where they've been diagnosed celiac, whether it's by, you know, the, the genotype or, or they've got tested or LPS in their system, whatever it may be. Those folks, they remove gluten and it's like life-changing. For gluten-sensitive people where they have a problem with it, they'll notice it's better, but it may not be like a life-changer if that makes sense. And that's yeah. kind of what we tend to see. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Let's go over uh, goitrogenic foods. That's mm -hmm. a big um, 
topic of discussion for thyroid? Very interesting. So there's a lot. Okay. So again, not my, all my research, uh, research of smarter people than me. The with goitadrenic foods, the reason you see a problem with them is you've got to look at the research itself. So goitrogens are going to be like, you know, you know, you know, broccoli, cauliflower, you know, all, you can, you can look them up on Google. So if you're listening, look them up on Google. There's a tons of different goitrogen foods. The idea is that when you eat these foods, they will compete with your thyroid hormone. And that's what's going to drive up your TSH, put your hyperthyroidism, that inflames your thyroid, gives you goiter, right? So that's the concept. Um, the issue is most of the research for goitrogen foods were done in vitro, meaning in a test tube. So oh, much okay. of the research now, if you look at over the last five, 10 years that have done on human testing, meaning they would look at populations like vegans consuming high goitrogen foods. They would give people, you know, heavy doses of cabbage and broccoli and things like that. Um, in human testing, they've actually showed really no problem with goitrogenic foods. Now, again, if you look at in vitro, you would see some competition and some problem, but in human testing, not only did they find no problem with goitrogenic foods, they found a lot of these foods had protective benefits because they raised antioxidant pathways, specifically pathways like glutathione, which we both know glutathione is one of the greatest antioxidants to help with overall inflammation reduction and just body function in general. For sure. So believe it or not, we actually tell our clients, eat more goitrogenic foods. Crazy. And that's a very, again, and it just look at the research. It's very interesting in vitro testing versus actually human testing. And this is, I, we went over this in our last conference in, with, with Dr. Krasin and, and he was just like, man, the research is clear. So kind of a controversial take on it, but I invite you to go look at it and it's pretty wild. Nice. No, that, that's why I asked you. So I got another controversial topic for you. I know what you're saying. <laughs> um, let's talk about iodine. And iodine, Hashimoto. yes. Yeah. Okay. So again, I, I would have I hear, I've, heard, I've heard both ways. I've heard research from both ends. So I, I would have never thought the opposite. So the, I'll say this in certain cases, obviously for just early on um, thyroid, things like that, there could be some iodine deficiency for it, but I'll, I'm kind of just speaking to the Hashimoto group in terms of the Hashimoto group. They've actually shown again, more research showing iodine flaring up the thyroid crazy. But I've got actually a list, and, and I'd love to, to, to send those over to your if you ever tag them, but I've got about four to six amazing research articles showing as iodine increased, it actually caused more of a Hashimoto flare. And the reason is, is that a majority of the people that are actually having uh, uh, thyroid hormone issues is, again, due to destruction of follicles, not because of a lack of iodine. Um, because our thyroid hormone, our thyroid actually contains a lot of stored hormone, but we're just not releasing it because of our levels, right? Our, it's all right. based on our blood concentration. So downstream, if you have all these problems, um, you know, that can really limit your ability to release that stored hormone. Most people then start taking iodine and believe it or not, again, if you know you have TPO antibodies and you have that autoimmune portion of it, iodine plus that TPO antibodies leads to destruction. Now here's what will happen. When you destroy your follicles, it actually releases stored hormone. So two things happen. Number one is that if you're in a hypothyroid state, high TSH, it'll actually drop your TSH and a lot of people feel better even though their thyroid's getting destroyed because of the iodine consumption. Second scenario is that we've had people that were on thyroid replacement and because their levels were already down, their TSH levels are down, 
that iodine plus the TPO led to destruction, released hormone, and dropped their levels further. They actually made them hyperthyroid. Crazy, very interesting. And again, um, they did this in a couple of years in Japan and uh, Slovenia. They actually increased iodine contents in table salt, iodized table salt from like 10 to 25 milligrams. They saw a double of Hashimoto's over the next few years. Um, there were some other amazing research studies showing um, increase in, in iodine and, and especially like seaweed um, showing Hashimoto's flare-ups. And then they did the reverse where they had people go and believe it or not, iodine diets, reduction diets, where they eliminated iodine and they're actually showing people dropping their TSH and dropping their antibody counts. Crazy cool research. Um, and so kind of interesting concept. But again, you know, do some people may need it? Potentially, yes. You know, you really just got to be careful because um, a majority of people, you know, have stored hormone. There's not releasing it, if that makes sense. Wow, that is that is super interesting, Doc. Thank Crazy. you for sharing that. Um, yeah. yeah, if you could, yeah, send me those links. I'll put it down. Yeah, I will. Yeah. So people can, yeah. Um, check it out. Yeah. I, I've heard this time and time again, and, and it's hard to know exactly. Yeah you know, what's right. So, um, I've heard, yeah, yeah. iodine for some individuals, like putting gasoline on a fire, it just ignites. Yes. Yeah. The, to the, the NF kappa B TH 17 pathways and things yep. like that. So, you know, again, the big words but you, that you know, but it's like, yeah, it can fuel in the fire. You're exactly right. Right. Then, um, I heard other doctors saying the other thing. So I need to, yeah, everyone just do your due diligence, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's the biggest thing. Look, it's got to make sense for you. You know, it's like, that's the one thing that's, I love about our type of field is that, you know, we'll present this stuff and we'll say, look, hey, in the end, it's up to you, right? It's your body, right? It's like, I can only say, hey, we can try this or we can try this, right? And that's half of what I love to do is that we, we don't guarantee anything. We can't promise anything, but all we can do is present what we have. And in the end, you know, you, it's up to you to make that decision, which is really cool. That's the best part about holistic nutrition. It's not, I say you do, right? It's just, right. it's all about a team and that's the power of it. Yeah. Making an informed decision. Do yeah, you have time for absolutely. one more question, Doc? What's that? Do you have time for one more question? Oh yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've got the more. Yeah, we're good. Okay, I want to talk about adrenal function and the tie-in to thyroid. Do you t do you do any uh, lab testing for cortisol and HP axis dysfunction? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, uh, there's obviously up in the air whether serum is better or salivary hormone testing is better. We've seen some benefit in both. You know, but yeah, absolutely. You know, some of the the different uh, different salivary hormone testing and looking at cortisol. I mean, obviously for some people, sleep is a huge thing for obviously Hashimoto and anybody autoimmune. So you need sleep, and so a lot of times we'll run to see if you know a, a particular person is you know, getting a cortisol spike in the middle of the night and that's what's waking them up or it's maybe just a, they're just not eating enough protein and they're just not getting through the night or, you know, maybe they're just having trouble just going to the bathroom in the nights. But yeah, one of the things we run for that is definitely for, you know, looking at to help us sleep, but then overall throughout the day of how their cortisol levels are moving. But yeah, adrenal has a huge crossover. That's definitely one of the researched areas in terms of helping to support the thyroid because it's, it's gotta be clear. Yep, absolutely. Right. And it has a direct connection to blood sugar. If your blood sugar's 100%, yes. all over the place, yeah, cortisol's all over the place. And that's the thing, you know, it's a lot of this stuff. It's like people get so frustrated at times because there is, there's so much out there, but it is, it's all connected in a sense. And you, you can't throw everything up against the wall and try to make it stick, right? You have to just work on particular things. So for some client, for client A, we may run some cortisol and salivary hormone testing um, and with, with traditional blood testing. Others, we may run some gut work and then we may work, do the traditional blood. I like to run blood on everybody, just a comprehensive scan, just to look under the hood because then we can kind of points us to the direction of where we want to go. Maybe it's food testing, maybe it's 
course, like I said, a salivary testing or adrenal testing or gut testing, whatever it may need for that particular client. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big proponent of tests. Don't guess, you know, really find out what your yeah. lab is. Look under the hood. Yeah. You know, yeah. Get some blood exactly. work done. You, you can go places now that are very convenient. Any lab test now, you can go, go to LabCorp, you know. Yeah. So these are yeah, all it's Yeah, and it's crazy how many people, and it's like you get these labs back from some of the just traditional docs out there. And it's like, it's like there's like four markers in there. I'm like, wait, I mean, there's bodies more than four markers, you know, and same thing exactly. for like Hashimoto's, you know, TSH test is great good for a baseline. Hey, we got a baseline to see how it moves up and down, but Hey, where's everything else? You know, cause that, that hormone affects so many other places and that's the key. Right. Well, we got, man, we have, we have probably time for another two more podcasts with you. So <laughs> yeah, I know your time's limited. Fun. So thank you so much for coming on today. I, appreciate it, brother. I love that picture of the thyroid in the background. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And for uh, anyone, and for anyone listening, can you tell people where to find you online and on social media? Yeah. Yeah, probably the best way. Um, so like I said, we, we, we run a free Facebook group um, called um, Transform Hashimoto's and Hyperthyroidism Naturally. And so you can search us on Facebook. I mean, if you can just, you also can just go to Hashimoto-Reset.com and then has the links to join that group and has some info and the remission console and probably some great places to start. But we do Q&As in there every week. And I'm sure we're going to have the doc in there as well for anybody of my people listening because we'll blast this out when it goes live. And, and uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely, that's probably the best way to find us and kind of learn some more about how we work. Awesome. Well, Dr. Dr. Mears, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate, appreciate it. it. You definitely presented a lot of helpful information to a lot of people awesome. listening. So we really appreciate your expertise. Yeah, I appreciate you too, brother. Thanks so All much right. for having me. All right, man. Have a great weekend. Talk to you next All time. Right. All right. You See ya. Hey, guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, this is for informational purposes only. If you have an injury or are looking for advice on a certain particular subject, always consult your healthcare provider. We are only providing information in this podcast and video series only. Again, thank you so much for joining us. If you could subscribe, leave a comment on iTunes, it would really help us out. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Have a great day.